Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. We caught up this week with Stephen Ashworth, who's a, I guess he's a sophomore at Utah State, but a, a, a really interesting career. He, uh, high school basketball, he grew up in Alpine, Utah for the most part, played at famed Lone Peak High School. And, um, you know, late in his high school career, he blew up. He'll tell you about all that. Was set to go to Utah State with Tim Duryea. Duryea gets fired, thought about opening up his recruitment, goes on his Mormon mission, comes back, and now last year played a huge role with Craig Smith's Aggies. Craig Smith leaves, goes to Utah. Did he think about transferring? What is Ryan Odom like to play for? And what's it like to be only four months married? Plus, he's been on social media a ton trying to get name, image, and likeness deals. Let's catch up with the star point guard for the Aggies of Utah State, Stephen Ashworth. Um, okay, so I want to get to the name, image, and likeness thing. I want to get to the fact you guys have a new coaching staff and what that's all like. But explain to me the Lone Pine deal. So... I remember probably a decade ago, somebody telling me like, man, this, there's this high school in Utah and they're just, they got dudes, <clears throat> dudes everywhere. Right. Yeah. Is what, what, what Lone Pine high school, is that just a regular high school where lots of players live close? Is it a private school? Like what is for somebody who's not a beehive stater? What is Lone Pine high school? Yeah. So it's, it's actually Lone Peak. So okay, Lone Peak, my bad. Lone, Lone Peak. Peak. Uh, there's a mountain peak called Lone Peak right up, right up above the school. So it's called Lone Peak High School. Um, and I believe, honestly, just the basketball dominance that it's had over the past 20 years really started with um, head coach Quincy Lewis when he was there. And then uh, many people know him as he went to BYU after. And um, now he's back in the state of Utah coaching high school basketball once again. Um, but it's a public school, um, completely public. Uh, you have to live in school boundaries in order to go to Lone Peak. And so, um, you know, we couldn't have some of the top basketball players in the state live in, you know, different cities and come to school there just to play for Lone Peak. And so a lot of people um, started to take notice when uh, they were on that national stage. And, um, you know, we had great talent all the way back with Jackson Emery and Tyler Hawes at Lone Peak. And, I think that kind of just created the culture that um, if if you want to play for Lone Peak, you got to be great. And and that developed players like Nick Emery, TJ Haas, Eric Mika. And they actually in 2013 were named national champions. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so wait, so all of those kids actually grew up right there or did some families move in, move in? Yeah. So surprisingly, the Emery's, the Haas's, the Mika's, um, they all lived there in Alpine. Um, grew up there and, and me, myself, I moved there when I was five. 
Um, and so, and my, and at the time my parents weren't really thinking basketball and we should move to Lone Peak because we lived in a boundary, um, where high school was already really good at basketball. It was just kind of a change of scenery for the family. And, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up going to all those high school games, watching those guys. And so I think that kind of helped fuel my passion for basketball. Okay. So when you, when you say I grew up going to those games, um, the basketball obviously is such a big part of the Mormon community, just huge. Any Mormon church has, has basketball gym and guys play basketball. Uh, but how big's like, how big's the gym at Lone Peak? Uh, the gym at Lone Peak can fit 3,500 people. Um, and so it's a pretty average, you know, high school arena. Um, there was a time for a while when we would play our rival American Fork High School, we'd either have to have that game. Um, down at Utah Valley University or at the Marriott Center at BYU um, just for crowd attendance. And so, um, but yeah, all of those games were always packed. Um, it was always sold out and it was a fun environment. I remember one of the funnest games was um, when we played St. Joseph out of um, New York. They came in for an ESPN game at Lone Peak and it was crazy. Just the atmosphere and the students and just the passion for basketball. Because you're right, you know, every church around here in the LDS faith, we have a, a basketball gym. And, and so kids grow up young, go into that gym and, and working out with their dads or their siblings or their friends. And, um, you know, during the summer, we were there every day, just playing pickup at the church. And, and it was awesome. So um, Jimmer. Okay. Now, obviously Jimmer comes in, he's a star at BYU, but he's not from Utah as a, as a kid who grew up in Alpine. When I say Jimmer Fredette, like, is he one of your guys? Is he not like, what, what is, how is he thought of in the state of Utah? Um, Jimmer Fredette is arguably the greatest college basketball player of all time. <laughs> and that's just, that's what the state of Utah. Believes in. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that he didn't have, um, you know, the, quite the career in the NBA that everybody was hoping to see, you know, that, that Steph Curry has been able to have. And, but it's interesting. I remember vividly um, going to, uh, it was a huge game, San Diego State, Kawhi Leonard. Um, it was a top 10 game down in Provo. And I remember going to that game and just the atmosphere around Jimmer. Um, it was crazy. And it was something that, that I aspired to be. I wanted to be a player in the state of Utah that other little kids wanted to be when they grew up. And so um, Jimmer is definitely somebody that, that I look up to. I, I've met a few times. I've, um, I've done some workouts with him and the, the guy I trained with Paul Peterson knows him, uh, knows him really well. And so um, always a super genuine dude and, and people, you know, whether we're Utah state fans, Utah fans, BYU fans, um, there's a pretty wide consensus that everybody uh, respects what Jimmer Fredette was able to do. And, in the game of college basketball. And, and now it's crazy to see what Damian Miller did out of Weber state. But in that time period, it, it was all about Jimmer. And it's crazy, right? That there, that, that everybody paid attention to Jimmer here is Damian Lillard. Who's actually an Olympian and an NBA all-star. Okay. So, um, you know, if you go back to, you know, late nineties and two thousands, obviously Utah, when Majerus was there was hot. And they've gone up and down. They've, they've had some great runs even since. Um, BYU, Jimmer was, was their peak in the last 20 years. But I, again, and this is a guy who grew up, I grew up hooping at a Mormon church in the city of Orange in California. I sneak yeah. in with my Mormon buddies, right? And so, um, and then my brother was an assistant at San Diego State. So I know a lot about BYU back when, uh, obviously those games were, were taking place. Yeah. But for you growing up, was BYU the school? I mean, cause you end up now being starter at, at Utah state. Like what was, who was your, what was your school or was it more players? Because I, I always thought that Mormon kids want to go to BYU first. And then after that, you know, maybe Utah or then Utah state, like what is, what was the school going up? Growing up? Um, personally for me, it was, like obviously living in Utah County, you're surrounded by um, BYU and then there's the, the divide between BYU and Utah. Um, 
And then obviously Utah State's a little more north. And so down in Utah County, they're even when I go back home, like I'm like, dang, like we need to get some more love for the Aggies down here, um, whether it be in the sports stores or stuff like that. Because really, obviously, the sports you know stores are there to make their money, and they make a lot off of just the rivalry between BYU and Utah and that division between red and blue. Um, and so, growing up, I personally really admired the players and the individuals, and so um, it was always a, a dream of mine to play Division One basketball. And, you know, the, with the way recruiting goes, I never really had an idea of where I wanted to actually eventually end up. And so I kind of distanced myself from kind of picking a school that I would deem as my school. But I definitely supported guys like Jimmer and then um, Tyler Hawes. Just the Lone Peak guys were a lot of the guys that I watched and, and looked up to. But then um, right about my ninth grade year, and high school is when I started noticing um, Sam and what he was doing at Bountiful and um, like small world comparison. One of our best family friends was actually his mission companion um, in the mission when when he served in Nicaragua. And so that's when I kind of started taking even more notice. And and when I came up to the visits here at Utah State, Sam was always, you know, super welcoming and was a big part of why I wanted to come here is I wanted to, to keep that legacy that he created going. And, um, and so to kind of answer that question in short, I think it was really more um, about who my guys were rather than was I a, a big Utah fan or big Utah state fan or um, BYU fan. And, and with the proximity, I probably went to the most of the BYU games than, than any other. What, what, what is the decision like? Uh, as to whether or not you're going to go on your mission? Um, a lot of it's uh, just based on personal preference. Um, we've been asked, um, whether it be in the scriptures or whether by the leaders of the church, to share the message of the gospel. Um, and so for me, it, it, it was a hard decision, but it, at the same time, an easy decision because I knew how important it was to share the message of hope and just of love with the world that we live in today. And so I knew that it would be an experience that, um, that I couldn't pass up. And I had great examples and my dad, my, my brother, and, and even other guys that played basketball at Olympic that, that went on missions, you know, I looked up to them a lot and, and that helped facilitate my decision to serve. But, um, there was a time where, uh, my very last high school basketball game, um, made that decision to go on a mission um, more difficult than it was just with the, the publicity that I received from that. It was the Geico nationals in, in 2018 where we played um, RJ Barrett and Montbird. And so that game kind of changed the course, but eventually I still ended up going on my mission right after how, that. How did, how did it change the course? Um, so right then um, the coach of Utah state, um, got let go and coach Smith was just hired. And so that opened up my recruiting once again, as, um, as basically a non-committed player. And it was right during the final four where all the coaches are in the ballrooms and, and meeting with each other. And, um, I scored 29 points in the second half on RJ Barrett and everybody was going crazy on Twitter and social media and everything. And, um, that night, my head coach, Coach Evans, got a call from uh, the assistant coach, John Shire at Duke, saying, hey, we want Stephen to come. And it had been something that we were talking about um, early on uh, at the beginning of my senior year. We were talking about possibly being a preferred walk-on at Duke. And they said that if they didn't fill all of their um, 13 or 14 scholarship positions, then... Um, I would be the first in line to change that preferred walk on to a scholarship spot. And so um, I then got, he called my coach and said, Hey, we want Steven, but not as a preferred walk on. We have that open scholarship. And so that was kind of the decision that became really tough to pass down um, a full ride scholarship to play at Duke um, to serve my mission. But ultimately it came down to that. I knew that, that God came first and that, that he'd provide a way. And then honestly, I couldn't be happier than, than where I'm at here at Utah state. Um, so what is it? What was it like for you? Okay. So you turned down Duke, 
to go on a mission, right? Be yeah. also turned down Duke to stay loyal to Utah State, even though um, they got rid of Coach Durier and and they hire a guy in Craig Smith who, like you, you don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, when did you find out, like timeline wise, where you're go, where you were going? So that game, um, the game happened in March. And they basically, Duke was saying that they'd want me out there in May. And then I was planning to leave on my mission in July. Um, and I already had the assignment to go to Indiana in July. And, um, and so that week after the two weeks after that tournament were, were stressful. It was a lot of contemplation, a lot of research, a lot of prayer on just what would be a best fit um, and best opportunity for me. And, and ultimately through a, a lot of counsel with my family and a lot of prayer. Um, I then decided um, early April that, that I'd stay committed to Utah State and um, that I was going to go there after my two-year mission. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Okay, so... Uh... Indiana does not seem like, you know, Sam goes to, Sam goes to Nicaragua. You go to Indiana. Um, so you go to Indiana. What was your, what was your, cause I know they move you around as well. What yeah. was your first spot like when you get to Indiana? Um, so my first spot in Indiana, I was in, um, there's a town called Avon. It's just West of Indianapolis. It, it borders with some towns of Brownsburg and, um, and some stuff just out the, the highway of 465 out there. And, and it was great. Um, there's a lot of diversity in Indiana that I, that I didn't know there was, I thought it was mainly going to be a lot of cornfields and, um, outdoor basketball hoops, which there were plenty of that. Um, but inside the city and, and the city's bordering Indianapolis, there's a lot of different diversity, which was super cool to learn about and, um, and to experience. And then, I was actually in one of the only apartment complexes with an indoor basketball court. So that was yeah, dope. Yeah, it was perfect. So it was a perfect kind of adjustment into a, into a mission with the opportunity that I could just walk down into the basement of the, of the apartment complex and had a nice little half court set up, which was fun. Okay. So, but, so that's like the opposite of most guys. So many guys, they don't even touch a basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have teammates like Brock Miller, who like we still make a joke he's like man like did you even go on a mission 
And I was like, yes, I went on a mission. I, I maybe got to play a lot of basketball on that mission, but I did go on a mission and Brock, he, he touched the ball like three times and just the culture there. He went, um, he went to South America as well. And, you know, it's a lot of soccer and, um, that's how you kind of connect with the people there. And luckily in Indiana, basically everybody that wanted to hear the message also wanted to play basketball. And so, um, we'd play a little bit and then, then after playing the questions would start coming of, wait, like, how are you so good? Cause they don't expect a little white kid and a shirt and tie to, to be a, a hooper or anything. So it was funny. So, um, what's that, what was that existence like for you, um, in Indiana preaching the gospel? Um, you know, you, you, I know you have a, a partner with you. What, what was your, what was your experience like on your mission in terms of not the basketball element, the element of sharing the gospel? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was life changing, um, for me and, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I was able to share the message of Jesus Christ and the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, um, to a lot of people who were confused. Um, they didn't know what to believe. Uh, I think especially with, uh, Christianity today and how many different religions there are and how many different beliefs there are. A lot of people just want some common ground, want some understanding of, of why that happened. And, um, through my study and knowledge of, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm able to teach them about um, the confusion that went on after Christ left and, and how so many people have, have different views and how a lot of those views are very similar, but um, how there's specific things that, that God wants done. And, and it was cool to be able to bring that peace to them, which uh, brought peace to me. And I was able to see my, uh, witness and testimony of Jesus Christ grow as I was teaching it to others, which was, I think the biggest blessing of it all, honestly. Well, okay. So, so dive deeper into that for me, if you would. Okay. So it, it feels like what you're saying is like, look, you always believed, right? You always yeah. believed, you always had faith, but I mean, again, this is just me who I, I have no basis of knowledge. Yeah. Um, it feels like though, by sharing it, and by, by having these discussions, all of a sudden now it became a lot more real to you. But, but, but explain what that, like, give me, go a little further. What, yeah. What, what became more real to you? What specifically did you feel differently about when you were sharing? it? Yeah, I think um, like one of the biggest things that, that I thought of over and over again is like um, before my mission, I would say that I believed in, Jesus Christ. Like I believed that, that he did come to earth. I believed that he was God's son. Um, I believed that he performed miracles. I believed that, um, he was resurrected and that because of that, we can all live again together. Um, but after my mission and, and even during it, I felt like the term really became, I believe Jesus Christ. Um, so it's not necessarily believing in him, but like, I believe him. I believe his words. I believe that when he says he can heal me, he can forgive me of my sins. Um, it became very more real. And so I think that um, when you, one of the best ways to learn something is by teaching it. Um, and I think that even applies to, to basketball, right? One of the Great. best ways that I learn more about a move or learn more about a shooting technique is when I have young kids that are like, hey, how do you do this? Right. And it takes me a minute to think and say, well, I've done it forever. I know how to do it, but, but how would I help you do it? And so when I think about Jesus Christ, it's, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, but when somebody asks me, well, how do I, or how can they, um, it becomes very more real in the sense of how I got that testimony, um, and how I've seen it change over the years. And, um, and honestly, right. When I got back from my mission, it, it needs to be the same thing. You know, if I'm not, reading my scriptures or, or praying daily, then I can feel that, that sense of, you know, kind of taking a step back. Um, the same thing is true with, with anything in our lives, whether it's basketball, work, education, you know, if we're not trying to excel at it, um, I think we're, we're deselling in a way. So um, I've always wondered, you know, like this goes back to when I was an AU player, middle school, high school, we played, we played Utah teams. 
and they could all shoot and they'd all play, but also it always felt like they were like physical and tough. And it's kind of honestly like your boy Bean is, is like this where if I met you in the hallway, like, man, that's the nicest kid ever. And then I play against you. I'm like, I, I don't like, they're so physical and, 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 and like not, and I know some of the BYU Utah stuff, they get dirty, right? But it's like just to that limit of physicality. Yeah. What's that what's that like to carry? It's a little bit of a burden, right? Where you're you're a little white kid from Utah, dudes are gonna come at you. You know, you spend a couple of years, you know, preaching the gospel. So everybody so guys think you're soft. How, why do you how do you overcome that? Like what is the we can we can sit around and go in circles and talk about how we're not supposed to have stereotypes. But the truth is, when you walk into a gym, it's like, shooter, shooter, right? Yeah. And they, and, but they also think you're soft. How do you overcome a stereotype like that? Where does that, where does it come from? And I don't think it's just you. I do think it's uh, something about a lot of dudes from Utah. Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't know if it's, I, I totally agree with it. Uh, I think I'll, I'll start with that. I think that, um, you know, we got the chess team joke a lot, um, where, wherever we were going, it's like, Oh, like this is going to be easy. <laughs> chess team. So I think that one of the things that, it, that it stems from is just the fact that when, when anybody's underestimated, um, there, there's a sense of, I have to prove something. And, and I think that, um, when you look at guys that are, you know, skinny shooters, um, I, I feel like we often feel like we're, we're underestimated in our toughness. And so at some times we get even more, um, tough than we, we'd ever actually want to be. And so with that, like, like, like an over, like almost an overcompensating. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a little bit of an overcompensation type of thing where I, even without you telling me what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking because I've experienced it time and time again. And so when I'm out there on the court, it's, it's something, especially to me as a, as a short um, white point guard. Um, and, you know, as you watch this year, me and Ryland Jones play together. I think that um, you'll see both of us, like our games are very similar because it's the only way that we can make it to where we are today. Um, if we weren't scrappy, if we weren't tough, if we couldn't shoot the lights out of the gym, then, then we wouldn't have the opportunity to be where we're at. And I think that, that you understand that just as well with, with how well you've played in in different situations like that. And so um, I think that it also, it stems from there is kind of a, a whispers going on in the state of Utah high school basketball that people don't think we're as good as we are. And so there's, there's something to prove whenever we have the chance to go outside of the state and, um, and I remember in, in my high school career, whenever anybody would go out of state, we always wanted them to win, even though we wanted to beat them in the state championship, we wanted them to beat whoever they were playing out in California or Florida or Atlanta type of things like that. And so, uh, I think, I think that's kind of where it stems from. Um, so you guys have so much success last year and then coach Smith leaves and goes to Utah. Um, what was your world like when that happened? Um, it was tough at first just because um, you create this culture, you create this family, and then you feel like the father figure just kind of walks out on you. And, and you, you understand why, but at the same time, you don't know why because of all the things that were said and, and all the, the things that were taught. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm never gonna, you know, be upset with somebody who, who needed to improve their situation. Um, and if he felt like if that was an improve of his situation, then that's his, his decision. Um, but I remember finding out on Twitter, um, that he was leaving and then the team got a, a text message later from him. And I just remember talking with Bean. Like, Hey, like, it doesn't matter what, what's going to happen. Like who we're going to get, like, we're, we're Aggies. Like, this is our place. This is where we're supposed to be. Um, and so it, it turned out being perfect. And, um, with coach Odom coming in, it, 
it, it's a, been a great fit and we're all excited for what, what we've got to, to prove this year and what we've got to do. And so I think it'll be really good once again. Kind of weird though, with like guys like, you know, uh, you know, Riley leaves, obviously some guys have stayed, some guys have left you and you and Bean have, have stuck it out together. Yeah. Um, first, did you, did you ever think of leaving? No, no, not really. I mean, when the whole news came out, it was really more of a, um, a situation of just like let the cards fall where they may. Um, and like, I never made plans to enter the transfer portal, never made plans to talk with any other coaches. Um, it was really just between me and my guys. And I felt confident that really, I felt confident if, if we could have Bean and Brock uh, stay, that we can build pieces, whoever comes in, whoever else stays, that we could build some great pieces around that. And, and that's what's happened. And we've had some great pieces come in and some other great players stay with us. And so I'm excited. So how old is Brock? Brock, I want to say he's 25, turning 26. <laughs> I mean, I, mean he's, I, I feel like he's almost old enough to be on the Lakers. Not yet. <laughs> Yeah, if, if the Lakers need an extra man, Brock might Brock might have to, to leave us for a few weeks. Yeah, to go play with them. But yeah, it's it's a running joke that we call him Grandpa. Um, you know, he's seen a few a few sunrises, a few sunsets in his days. But yeah, I think that um, especially in the the realm of college basketball, you can never underestimate how important it is to have a guy like Brock. Um, and guys with experience like that, especially come tournament times and when times get rough during the season, because there's always up and downs during the season. But to have guys who know um, how important it is to stay positive, to to stay together is, is always vital to have on a team. They, they, they have this expression in basketball, in college basketball, get old and stay old. No <laughs> one, no one accomplishes that better than Brock Miller, right? Like he, yeah, he totally gets it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Social media is fascinating, right? It really is. Yeah. In that, you know, some, some women it feel like they're thirsty, right? They're, they're looking for attention. For you, people have known you since high school, old game that where you, get, where you lit up Montford. Mm-hmm. And then in college, now you succeeded. And Utah State, though it's not some gigantic fan base, like it is a very vibrant fan base. Okay. Yeah. So they open up the name, image, and likeness deal. And I know you posted some stuff for, oh, uh, was it Body Armor? Body yeah. Body Armor, right? Yep. So did they, did they respond at all? Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually had um, some good conversations with some companies like that. Um, body Armor was a cool one. I was actually, um, they, I, I messaged them just saying like, hey, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the name, image, and likeness rules that have just changed. And this was, this is probably the day of name image and image and likeness because I'll be honest, before name image and likeness came out, one of the first things I was thinking is like, how do I get free body armor? How do I get my <laughs> body armor? Just because um, you know, there's other drinks out there, but one of my things is that body armor to me, it feels like water, but it has a nice flavor to it to where it's not too sugary. Um, especially like the body armor light. And so I DM them the day name of his language came out and they probably responded um, two weeks later and they said, Hey, Steven, thanks so much for re- reaching out. Um, fill out this link. We're about to post um, something with, with uh, name image and likeness athletes. And so um, they, they reached out to me and I filled it out. And then later that, that week, I see that they started this um, brand you ambassador thing for body armor, um, body armor you is what they called it. And so they sent me, um, a few packages already and, um, and we'll kind of see what goes on from there. Obviously it, it would be cool to have it be, um, more of a frequent thing and maybe be one of the, the college athletes that gets an opportunity to be in a commercial or advertisement for them or something like that. But so it kind of, kind of feels like, like, uh, you know, Oprah does Oprah's favorite things, right? Kind of yeah. feels like that's, and this is a good philosophy for you. It's like, pick out the stuff that you really like and you legit use and then hit them up and go like, Hey, do you want to do a name, image and likeness? And, and, and see, see where it goes. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And, um, and I've talked, I've, I have some good mentors, um, that understand the business aspect and branding. And so it's been good because, you know, nobody's going to want to buy something that, that I promote if I don't actually use it, you know? And so, um, it wouldn't make sense as, as a part of my brand either to promote something I don't stand for or use. So, um, what a hair product, you gotta do hair product, right? I know. I, I actually, um, Boneyard Barbering, um, uh, is, I, we've done a few things with them. And so he's excited for you to come get your cut when you come compensate one of our games this year. I just got a fresh year here in Orange County, but I'm, I'm going to Boneyard. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I wish I had somebody that good when I was in school, when I had better hair, you know, I had great <laughs> hair, I had great hair, but I used to, we had a guy who passed away, whispering Richard and he'd like, he was like coach's guy, but he wasn't very good. He was a super nice guy. Yeah. I, I'd cut my own hair. Or one of your teammates would come cut your hair. It's just terrible fades. You know, you're like, you yeah. look back, you're like, God, it was so, I was so cheap. Yeah. So cheap. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So now, but now you don't have to be cheap. Now you'd be like, Hey, look, dude. If you cut my hair, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll promo you. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's the deal. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, we've been talking about some other ideas and, and he actually has some hair, um, uh, cream that, that I use. And so we've been talking about different ways to possibly promote that and, and, and get that out to people, which is, which is a really good product. And, and so I've also, I've talked to whoop, um, who just released their new product and, um, and they messaged me back with just some feedback that, that they haven't quite figured out their logistical, um, you know, stance on, um, on whoop and sponsoring college athletes. So we'll see what happens there as well. Yeah. So it's going to end up, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't, you, you got to be like a NASCAR guy when I interview you, you know, be like, Hey, thanks. You know, like the whoop hair and the nice yeah. shoes and the, and the, I was drinking body armor. And then you start answering the questions, right? You got to drop in like all the. Yeah. All, the, all the, all the, all the sponsors. Um, yeah. I see. I think, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think the, 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 other than the things that you like, the other ones you can do is find companies that are owned or run by Mormons and then somehow integrate it into, you know, Hey, a portion of what I ever get is going to the, to the church. And like, then you, you kind of make it like the Mormon mafia where all the Mormon <laughs> companies are the ones that support you guys with name, image, and likeness. Yeah, it's true. Um, you're also married, right? Four months now? Yeah, four months now. Um, what's that like? What's it been like for you? It's been great. Um, got married to Peyton um, in, in May of this year, and um, we were high school sweethearts. We met in high school, and um, I went on my mission, and she went to, uh, to Paraguay on her mission. So she kind of got the same vibe of Sam and Brock. Um, not much basketball. Right. So you're, you're like, you're in Indiana, you're in Indiana hooping in some, some nice apartment complex. Yeah. She's in Paraguay. Yeah. Your experience could not be more different. Yeah. Literally couldn't be more different. Absolutely. And so it's but like, anytime you go to, you know, or like, I, I'm guessing they speak Spanish in Paraguay. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure anytime somebody somebody speaking Spanish, she goes flips the flips the the switch, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, what is going on there? Yeah, it was perfect. We actually went on our honeymoon to uh, Puerto Vallarta, and so she got to to basically run the show down there, which was perfect. And so um, it's been great though. Married life's fun. It's fun to have somebody um, to live with up here in Logan, especially because we were doing long distance all last year because she was going down. Um, to school down in Provo. And so it's it's good to have her up here and to have somebody up here. Wait, so you got her to transfer so that she, she did she enter the transfer portal and then you got her to transfer <laughs> she, the, to, to USU? So she didn't quite enter the transfer portal. She did move, um, but she's just doing online. And, you know, with, with COVID, it was able to, you know, kind of work out to where there's a lot more online availability. And so she's still doing her degree online and um, this next summer, she might have to take some classes down there in person, but so far it's worked out really well. What, 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 what are the challenges like? And I know you guys haven't hit full season, but you guys are having practices and workouts, but um, easier or more difficult now that you have a spouse, right? Now you like, you have, you have basketball, you have school and you have a wife. Uh, yeah. How, how has your, how are your days changed from last year? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things is just prioritizing. Um, 
you know, prioritizing what's important. Um, there's obviously some necessities that I'll have to take care of every day. Um, her being first and then obviously basketball practice and weights and, and other schoolwork that'll have to take place. Um, and so I think rather than after finishing my, my schoolwork and after finishing all my workouts, just hanging out with the boys, it's been a lot more time with, with her doing things that she wants to do, but she's also been super supportive of all the name, image and likeness stuff. And, um, she'll even come to the gym and rebound for me after, um, after she gets home from work. And so we have some fun times bonding out there and, um, we go play call, we play golf quite a bit together. Um, she's a golfer, so that's nice. Um, she better than you? Of course. And what? She better than you? She better than you? Not quite. Not quite. Um, I, I'm playing pretty well when I don't play great. She's, she's better, but I've been playing pretty well recently. Same tees, same tee boxes. No, different tee boxes. What, what is the biggest difference I will notice in you playing for Coach Odom? Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest difference you'll notice is freedom. Um, I, I felt like I played pretty freely last year, but I still had more to give and more to offer, I felt like. And I think that the way that our offense is set up this year and just the different tools that we have, we'll be able to play with a lot more freedom. And um, and I think you'll see a lot more of me creating and then facilitating um, off of screen and roll and just off of I, I've improved quite a bit this offseason with just dribble penetration and and being able to make decisions in the lane. And and that was a focus just after last year, looking at the percentages from two point and three point line and um, and wanting to obviously improve that. And, you know, the goal to be like Steph Curry with the 90, 50, 40 club and and stuff like that. And so that's probably the biggest difference you'll see. You're an incredible free throw shooter. What's your routine? Um, my, my simple routine when I get to the line is, is I'll take a deep breath. I'll focus on the very front of the rim. Um, and then I'll just take one dribble and then get it into that shooting pocket and, and straight up. And I always try to line up. I don't necessarily line up my foot with the nail. I try to line up um, with where I release the ball with the nail, um, which is just a little bit to the right side of my, of my head. So, uh, so is the nail, so is the nail slightly to the right of your foot? How do you, like, how do you line up your, your feet with the nail? Yeah, so my, my right foot would be slightly outside of the nail. So the nail is going to be... Um, Inside. Well, I, to the left, right? Correct. Yes, to the right. left. So if I'm because you shoot, Because it, you shoot, you, you have that perfect shot where you shoot off your right shoulder. Right? Yeah, right here. So, yeah. Okay, so, okay, so you, take, you take a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, first, you line up your feet. You yep. take a breath. Um, you, ta- you look at the front, front of the rim. You take one dribble, shot pocket, shoot. Are you saying anything to yourself? Are you, is there some, some way in which you finish every time? Like any, anything else? Yeah, so one of the things that I always do um, is I'll – actually, when I take my dribble, I'll say swish. Um, and so I'm not thinking I, – I think I kind of started that in around eighth grade. I stopped thinking like, oh, I should make this shot. Um, and it's, and it's kind of changed my mindset, which I think has really helped. To like I don't make shots. I want to swish shots because I'm already expecting it to go in. And so um, if I swish it, then, I, then I'm really pleased. If I make it, that's great. Um, and then also just in the, in the practice of it, uh, I never leave a gym without making 10 free throws in a row. Um, and so that's kind of – and obviously I shoot a lot of free throws throughout the workout. Um, and I try to integrate it to where, you know, I'm getting a high heart rate. And so it's game-like to where I've got to slow it down just a little bit but feel, still feel it to where I'm making it in pressure situations and then uh, I'm feeling good. Um, You mentioned your workouts. Um, How many, how many, is there a number of shots you try and get up every day? Yeah. So um, I'm actually starting, uh, um, I've created a few workout plans and I'm actually going to promote it um, here in the next week or so. Um, I'm going to try, try to create a a training brand in a way and I'm going to call it the Breakfast Club um, after the, one of the famous stories of Kobe Bryant and the USA Olympic team back in 2008 and how um, they called themselves the Breakfast Club because they were getting up early. They were getting their work done early before practice. And then 
Um, it just kind of unified the team. And so um, the goal is to make, to make 500 shots a day. Um, and so it would be considered the 500 club. And a lot of that is, is off the dribble. A lot of that is form shots. I try to make sure that, um, you know, sometimes inside the 500 realm, sometimes outside. So maybe it'll be a little more than 500. I'm making at least a 50 to hundred form shots a day. Um, just to make sure that it's all dialed so in. The 500 are in one workout or, uh, or do you, do you have a plan to where you go in the morning and you go in the evening? Like how, how does it, in your mind, what's, what's the best way to do it? So my mind, it, um, ideally I would say it's 501 workout. Um, and then it just depends based on my day. Um, if I know that I don't have enough time to make the 500 in between class and before practice or other things, then I'll get in as many as I can. And then I'll save some of it for after practice and then I'll get in the rest of it. Um, and so I, ideally it would be just to, to be able to set a time apart to where, you know, you can get in that 500. Um, but if it needs to be split into, you know, an hour in the morning and an hour at night, um, it typically takes me probably, uh, 75 minutes to finish 500 on the move off, you know, and I always try to shoot some just stand, standing still shooting because you do get some of those in the game. But a lot of those are sprinting to a corner, sprinting in transition just to make it as game like as possible. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You, 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 never, you don't use your thumb. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect shot. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you develop that? Like, when did you have the strength to, to shoot with one hand and no, no left thumb? Um, I, that started actually in, um, in eighth grade. So in eighth grade was when, um, Quincy Lewis, actually, he pulled me aside after one of the open gyms that we were having. And he said, Hey, uh, this is going to be hard, but this is something that you're going to need to do to play at the next level. Um, and he actually walked through, with me the changing because you know i kind of use my thumb and i would, and i'll push it from here sure. underneath my chin a little bit just was it was still a good form but obviously it wasn't perfect and and he just worked on elevating it more to up right above my forehead to where i could get it and um and he worked and honestly um it's something i still do today where we worked on a lot where i would just cup it like this the ball yep. and then one hand turn and over and turn and over and then um, I remember George Hill, talking with George Hill a few years ago, and he was telling me that when, like the first year he got to the Spurs, um, he shot it all right, and he thought he had a great shot. And then that next summer, 
They're like, hey, we need to change your shot. And he was saying that he would make 500 form shots a day and they wouldn't let him shoot outside of outside of 10 feet for a month. And he just had to shoot it over and over. And he's like, just because of, you know, and I think anybody that that wants to change their shot, they just have to be patient enough to to give it the time to develop because it's not going to be perfect after a day or even a few days or even a few weeks. It takes that time, but being confident enough that that it'll pay off in the end, which which it has for me. Um, when you, now you told me you say swish when you shoot a free throw is, are there, what are the thoughts or do you have any, when you're in a game, as far as shooting the basketball, do you have any thoughts, things you say to yourself, things that you always do, like as part of kind of your catch and shoot or go off the dribble routine? Yeah. So one thing that I always try to do is that before I get into the, into the form of it, um, because that's become second nature, I always try to focus on the front, um, three prongs of the rim. So where the net connects with the rim, I'll try to find three of those. And sometimes you can only find two based on the angle you're at. And you just kind of, I always try to aim right for that middle prong. Um, and then I, I focus on the rim all the way until I release it. And then typically about the last, you know, seven to, to nine feet of it coming down, I'll, I'll actually look at the ball and I'll see if, if it was going in between those three. And then after that, I know if it was a little right, but still went in, then I know that I either turned my hand a little too much um, or it was just maybe because of the way I was balanced. Um, and so that's actually something that I learned from Steph Curry, watching a few of his of his documentaries and different things of of how he likes to shoot. And it's something that that I tried and I really liked. So he looks at ball flight. Yeah. So he's um, he's a ball flight shooter um and i know that some guys are heavily never look at the ball some guys look right after they release it um but my thing is always that i've naturally kind of always looked at the rim and then seen the ball come over but i've i've started more so looking at it and then it's given me a better idea too of what the trajectory was like um on its way to the rim of if, if it was too flat or even if it had too much arc which which is hard to do but um, those type of things that I can look at and analyze. Steph's the best in your mind from shooter to shooter. Is Steph the best shooter? Yes. Simon Curry is the greatest shooter of all time in my mind. I think that, that you can nitpick a few things of maybe Clay Thompson has a, a prettier shot or a better form or maybe a better stand still shooter. But I think when you're talking about a shooter, you have to be able to attribute every single shot and every single aspect that he, he can shoot. He can go right, he can go left, and obviously he has an unbelievably quick release and unlimited range. Like, but the idea that he can go right and left and stand still is crazy. It's just it's it's you know because most everybody else everybody has like well, I really like like I remember when I was at Notre Dame we we ran a play called three side. My coach was uh, the late John McLeod, who's an old NBA coach, and for until the very last game of the year, every pick and roll we ran was to the right. He's like, well, you're right-handed. Like, yeah, right-handed is most guys actually shoot the ball better going left. I, yeah. I, I couldn't really confidently shoot, and I would work on it every day in college, but I'm like, my whole life I was off the dribble going left. But the idea that he can shoot going either way is just, that's the most remarkable. Yeah, and I think that, like, I've looked at that, and even just the way that, like, I, like, I was even talking about this with Ryland the other day. Like, a crossover pull-up, has never felt natural to me. Like, well, not just that, but listen, here, here's the, it's not just, it's not natural. That was always deemed to be a bad shot. Yeah. Right? Never shoot. I was always never shoot off a crossover. And then he like, he violates that. Right. I mean, but he makes such a high percentage and he must, it must be from working on it and his balance and how cleanly he picks it up. Do you seem, do you seem the ball when you pick it up? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big seam shooter. Um, Anywhere I catch it, I always it'll be usually a left hand kind of turn to yeah. get the seams. Have you did you have you practiced? Do you have any tricks for that? Um, I think part of it is that um, I have actually had um, workouts where I tell them never pass it to me with the seams, and so with that is I'll always catch it off the seam, and I'll always have to quickly turn it. Or there's even part of me that. Um, like I was, I'm, I'm have a little level of OCD. And so whenever I pass the ball, 
I always pass it to him where it's in the pocket. On the seam. On the yeah. seam. On the seam's in the pocket. And so um, I can actually, when the ball is coming to me, I actually, I don't know if I've practiced it or if it's just become second nature. I can actually see where the seams are. Um, and so I actually tend to change my hand position of how I catch it to where it catches it on the seam. So I don't necessarily have to turn it as much. Okay. Gotcha. I, I haven't, I, I never, I hadn't heard of that trick. That's a, that's a really good one. Last thing, shoes. Um, yeah. what, what is your, what is your, not what was your shoe game? Like, do you wear the same shoes all season? Do you change them after a loss? Do you wait until they're just like flat tires and they're dead? Um, is there a certain style of shoe, you know, that like I will only wear these shoes? You mentioned OCD, guys that have a little OCD, they have they do the same thing. What get, give me your 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 shoe your shoe not your shoe game in terms of what do you wear around town, but your shoe yeah. game in terms of playing. Yeah. Um first off, I'll only play in Nikes. Um and and that's the only shoe I'll wear on the court. Um, and then secondly, I'm a Kobe guy. Uh, I've, I've, I grew up a Lakers fan. Um, my dad taught me young that, that we're Lakers fans. And I always love that. Isn't that sacrilege in Utah? Hey, it is a little bit. But my dad's from Vegas. And so we're Dodgers fans. We're Lakers fans. You know, that was the closest sports team. And, and his grandpa was big. Lakers and Dodgers fans. So he grew up going to the games, which were about two hours away from Vegas. And so, um, so I grew up wearing Kobe's and, um, and then when I was on my mission, he, he passed. Um, and, and I still remember that day just sitting in church and I got a message like, Hey, Kobe just died. And I was like, wait, what? Um, but wait, so, okay, let's, let's, let's go to that day. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll tell you where I was. So, um, I had gotten back from calling a game. My daughter is an equestrian rider and we're sitting there and she's warming up. And all of a sudden I get a text and it's like, there's no way this is real. And then a couple other dudes are like, no way, no way. And all my friends, they think, cause you know, you, when you work in sports, like I, like I, I somehow know what's a real story and I do, but it, like not when it breaks. Yeah. And then they're like, did you check Twitter? Kobe died. And I looked, I was like, and like, and, and no one knew it was real or fake, but it was TMZ and generally they don't miss. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so my daughter actually, then she's riding in the ring in a show. She is great. She wins and she gets out of the ring and she's walking her horse back to her, to the grooms and she's bawling. Now she didn't, she had gone to school with, uh, Gianna who died in the crash. Yeah. Uh, but she wasn't like she knew Kobe. And at the time it said that nobody in her family was, was with her. And she starts crying. I go up to her and turns out actually her best friend was on the, on the helicopter. Um, um, Alyssa Altabelli. And she knew Gianna and she knew basically almost everybody on that, on that plane. She knew uh, the, the chopper. She knew. So that was, that was my, that was my day. What was, what church were you in? What, what town in Indiana? Yeah, so I was actually on campus um, at IUPUI, so right downtown in Indianapolis. And the, okay. the church building was just right off the river, um, the White River down there. And I remember I was in, um, I was in like the second hour of church, so Sunday school. And I was actually reading the scripture. Um, and the everybody in the class kind of just like stopped because like we all got notifications and um and so, i so you do you have so you're do you have your phone on you is it like what is i, I again every church is different you have your phone on yeah. you and start buzzing or did somebody else start looking at their phone and then you look at yours how, how did it how did it go down yeah so i actually there's a there's a church app with all of our scriptures on it and so i had the church app open and then i got you know different text messages or messenger facebook messenger different stuff like that and so facebook is actually the the approved social media for missionaries. So I didn't have Twitter. Um, I didn't have Instagram. I just had Facebook and I get this message, like, check this out. Like I, I get another message. I can't believe he died. Like, you know, what's happening, like all of this stuff. And, um, and I was like, there's no way, like this isn't real. Um, but then like the leader of the congregation after Sunday school came up to me, he's like, Hey, like, 
I know you're a basketball player. I know missionaries don't have a lot of access to stuff. But like, did you hear that Kobe Bryant died? And like, that's when it like hit. I was like, no way. Like, this can't be real. And then every every Sunday night, we called the different missionaries to see like how their week was, see if they need anything. And one of the elder missionaries was from California, like answered the phone. He was just like bawling. And he was just like so sad. He grew up a Lakers fan, just like me and and like I still remember that pain that like we felt together. Like we didn't know him like personally or anything, right? But when something like that happens to people who just, you know, love somebody, it it's painful to see. And you know, I couldn't imagine for your family, especially your daughter who who knew them personally, what it would be like. But but I think that also sparks why I love wearing them even today. You know, it's it's kind of like living on his legacy and um, I love the Kobe fours, fives, and sixes, and those are probably my go-to pairs that I wear for games. I've gotten a few more this off season that hopefully I'll be able to showcase. And so I'm so do you, but are you like superstitious? Like you play well in one, you keep wearing uh, those, you rotate. No, actually, in high school, in high school, I was very superstitious. So there's a pair of shoes that um, I didn't have a great game in, and then they were out of the rotation, even though I loved them. Like I'd still practice in them because they're some of my favorites, but like. No game. What shoes? What shoes were those? Um, they're actually the Kobe Elevens. Um, they're this nice pair of Kobe Elevens that I got for Christmas one year, um, and then I had to go to the Kobe Ads, which actually were my personal favorite. But like they're okay. But I played really well on them for a while, so I was like, I got to keep rocking with it. And we actually won the state championship, so I guess it worked. Um, what did you, you wear against Montverde? I wore some Lebrons. So we got invited to Geico, right? And my buddy's dad bought these, the same black and gold, because our colors were black and gold and maroon. He bought these black and gold Kobe's or LeBron's. Right. I'm like, I never wear LeBron's. Like, they're so heavy. They're still yeah. like, you know, they're still yeah. so, I mean, people like they're made. He's a six foot eight, 260 pound dude. Their shoes made for him. Yeah. Exactly. You're wearing some space boots dropping 27 on my yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, then my buddy's like, bro, you got to wear those every game, every game in college. I'm like, dude, I can't wear those. Like, they're bricks, but, like, they were really comfy, actually. Like, they did have a lot, a lot of cushion. Um, but, yeah, so that game against Montverde, it was, like, one of the only games I never wore Kobe's. I, I wear some Kyrie's sometimes. Um, I, I do like Kyrie's mainly because they remind me of early Kobe's and the way that they feel and and stuff. But, um, in college, yeah, I've, I've, I think mentally I've, I don't know if it's gotten over, but the superstition of shoes, but I think I'm kind of past that, which I think is good in a way, just because I think I need to be able to be confident enough that no matter what shoe I play in, I'll be able to play good. Okay. So let's just say Utah state plays in the final four next year. Yeah. As you mentioned, you said, I like fours, fives and sixes, but you only get to pick one and the Nike guys come in your. You're in Logan, you're at the practice facility, right? And they're like, hey, what shoes do you want to wear in the Final Four? What's your official answer? Um, I got to go with – I'm asking for something exclusive here that they that they haven't made to the public. But I'm going with the purple Devin Booker Kobe 4s. So those purple ones that he wore basically the whole playoffs, those would be the shoe that I'd wear um, just because I feel like they'd stand out a little bit but also that the Kobe 4s are super comfy. Yeah, just a little bit, just the, the shoes. It's like when you wore the Grinches, right? Just enough, just enough, but not so over the top, right? You want to be the guy that's got the arm sleeve, you know, and, and a headband and the shoes and the sweatbands or whatever. It's like yeah. just a little Grinch, you know, green or some purple shoes. I like it. That's a, it's an understated deal. Yeah. All right, dude, listen, I know you got to go. You got a heart out. I do as well. It was great to catch up with you. And sure. congratulations on, on your nuptials. Um, and uh, let's catch up again in Logan. And let's get you some more NIL deals, right? Let's we, gotta, we got we got to make you a Nike athlete. You got to, um, you know, obviously the Boneyard. I'm coming. We got to get their hair products going, and then continue yeah. to all of the all of the Stephen Ashworth things, right? Yeah, exactly. that, that's what you got to. I can't believe you haven't hit up Ashworth. Now it's golf gear, but I, you haven't hit up Ashworth. Got to hit some guys. That would be that would be a go-to. I mean, I think I could get something with Ashworth Golf Gear, um, kind of like the Curry brand, you know, in golf. And so I don't even know how I haven't even thought of that one. I, I, I'm going to text them right now.
But yeah, if you know anybody at Nike, tug me up. I'd love to to wear some some out there type of shoes that are kind of just underlying, nothing too crazy. But you know, I'm a Nike guy, and you know that'd be a dream come true to to be able to have some Nike gear like that. Thanks so much for all the shooting advice and all those thoughts. I appreciate you joining me and being my guest on all that. For sure. Take care, Doug. Great to see you. Likewise. Wasn't that a fun combo? I thought it was great. Um, By the way, if you like what you hear, make sure you write us a positive review. I think it benefits the pod somehow. A a reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, on the iHeartRadio app, FoxSportsRadio.com, Sirius XM 217 or 203. My thanks to Stephen Ashworth and uh, any of those companies that want to link up with him, you can do so. Find him on social media. Find him on Twitter. Make sure my boy gets paid. In the meantime, listen to Doug Gottlieb's show, 12 to 3 Eastern. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.